Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Connor. During times of war, like frankly we're in right now, people can do really horrible, unspeakable things. And if you're a soldier in the military, this often involves you having to do what you, your superior officers or, or the people in charge tell you to do. And, you know, maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they don't want to, you know, bomb that person or kill that person or blow that thing up, but they still do it because the system of the military is such that you're supposed to follow orders. And this is something that came up after World War II, when the Nazis, of course, were doing many horrible things to the Jewish people and others. And after the war, there was something called the Nuremberg Trials. It's, it's, the, it's where a lot of the Nazi leaders were put on trial for war crimes and crimes against humanity. And during the Nuremberg Trials, uh, many of the officers, in fact, I think most, if not all of the officers that were put on trial in their defense to try and, you know, get out of being punished. They said, well, we were just following orders, right? The, the government, my superior officer told me to Hitler told me to. And of course, you know, the, these trials were on the, the tail end of this massive world war with all kinds of destruction. And so, the, the people, the judges and the people convening this whole uh, trial, we're not going to go along with that argument and be like, oh, okay, let's let all these guys off the hook just because they were told to do it. So they were all sentenced to death for, you know, the, for crimes against humanity, for war crimes. And we could do another, uh, another podcast at a later date about the death penalty. But for now, the point is that there was this, uh, this trial and these guys all use this argument. Well, was everybody put on trial? No. Uh, who, who wasn't put on trial? Well, I'll give you a hint for now. We actually share this story in our new uh, book called The Guide to True Conspiracies, where there was a conspiracy to bring a whole bunch of Nazi uh, scientists and researchers and leaders over to America and give them new identities and put them to work for the U.S. government. So these guys were exempted from the Nuremberg trials. And, and even there's, there's someone in the government uh, today, there's an office, and I think it's the FBI, where their whole job is to basically be Nazi hunters and find these <laughs> people from decades ago, you know, who have just been living under false identities and so forth, to still hold them accountable, right? To find them and, and uh, put them in front of a judge for trial. And, uh, and this Nazi hunter and this team, they have been disallowed in, in past years from going after any of these Nazis who the U.S. government invited to, to be here in America. They're kind of off limits, not only off limits to the Nuremberg trial, but off limits to these Nazi hunters and the FBI as well. So I'll give you that little teaser for now. All of you listening, you can uh, get the guide to true conspiracies and go check out that book. Uh, to learn even more. But the reason I, I want to share it, and I'm going to kick it to you, uh, Brittany, in a minute to share a little bit about the Milgram experiment, but there's a backstory. What happened was 
all these Nuremberg trials happened, and then they were all sentenced and so forth. And years later, I want to say it was it was 10 to 15 years later, there was another trial. What had happened is the Israeli government, they were also Nazi hunters uh, because, you know, the Jews wanted to hold the, these Nazis accountable. So the Israeli government had spies going all over the world hunting for Nazis because right as the war ended, many of the Nazi leaders, number one, some of them were invited to America, as I just described. But on the other hand, many of them just escaped to like Argentina, for example, where one individual escaped. I should say many Nazis escaped, but this one gentleman in particular was caught uh, and his name was Adolf Eichmann. And Eichmann was responsible for the logistics of the Holocaust, like transporting all these Jews to their, their death. And, and so they caught him. They found him uh, living in, pretty sure it was Argentina. They haul him back to Israel and, uh, and, and he's put on trial. And the Israelis do this huge um, like television campaign. This was, you know, in the, whenever it was, I think it's the late 50s, 60s or something. They have this trial and because they, they wanted the world to remember. It had been over a decade, right, since the Nuremberg trials. They didn't want the public to start to forget this horrible Holocaust. So they said, let's televise this whole thing. Let's really bring a lot of publicity. One of the many people around the world who watched this trial was a gentleman by the name of uh, Stanley Milgram, who was a professor at, I think it's Yale, um, he was a, a university professor and a psychologist, and he wondered, you know, why is, oh, and so I, I didn't mention Adolf Eichmann, this Nazi, he used the same argument in his trial. Oh, I, I was just following orders, right? And, and, you know, it didn't work for him, but that was the argument that he used. And, and so here's Stanley Milgram across the world watching this trial unfold, and he watches this Nazi use that same argument. I was just following orders. And he began to wonder to what degree are people willing to go to do something that violates their conscience just because, just because someone ordered them to do it? How, how far are people willing to go to do a horrible thing that they know is horrible just because someone in authority told them to do it? So he set up an experiment. Brittany, let me kick it over to you. Tell us a little bit about the experiment. Yeah, this was one of my favorite things to learn about in psychology because it's just so crazy. So in the experiment, it was basically to test obedience, like how far would someone go if to do what they're being told to do? And I think, Connor, anyone going into that would be like, oh, well, not me. I would have been great. I would have said no to the Nazis. Like that's We all like to think of ourselves that way, right? So surely that is what a lot of these test subjects came in thinking. So what happened is Somebody was sitting like on this, on the opposite side of this like little wall thing, and they had a button that they were told was going to deliver shocks to people on the other side of the, I think it was like a wall or a box or something. They couldn't see the person, but they could hear them. Okay. So, and there were different levels of shock. So they would say, like, oh, do it on low, do it on, you know, medium or high. So they, the person on the other side was told when the guy or whoever was conducting the experiment was like, all right, give them the shock. And they were just to see if they were going to give them the shock. And so, okay, first they start it. People are a little hesitant at first, right? And then all of a sudden they do what they're told. They deliver the shock and they can hear the other person on the other side scream. And at first it's just a little bit. It's like, oh, you know, that hurt. And then they're told to do it more. 
give them a higher shock. And you can hear, they can hear the person on the other side saying, please don't do it. Like, please don't do it. It hurts. Please don't do it. But then they're told by the guy running the experiment, like, no, you need, you need to listen. You need to do, you need to go to that higher amount. You need to shock them. And they do it every time they press it and the screaming gets louder and they can tell that they're hurting people and they're being very distressed because they don't want to push the button. They don't want to do it, but they're being told to push the button. And so they keep pushing it, even though people are screaming. And it's one of the, you can actually see videos of this on uh, YouTube, but it's crazy because these are not bad people. These are not people who were criminals or who had ever committed offenses. And they look very, very disturbed by what they're being asked to do, but they still do it. And it's crazy, crazy to watch that happen because, like I said, I think we all like to think that we would never do that. But I think this experiment proves that a lot of us would. In fact, um, Jordan Peterson always says that's one thing to remember is that each of us has the potential to do these things, right? So it's whether or not we actually do them or not. And this experiment is, is really interesting because they do it. It's just nuts. One, one thing to be cautious about for the listeners is that there's a lot of psychology research out there that's totally bogus, right? Researchers find this. Researchers study this. Researchers found that this is, you know, and, and a lot of it is bogus. Why do I say that? Well, if something is true, then it should be able to be replicated. In other words, if psychologists claim that, I'm just going to make something random up, that you know, 75% of the time that someone is chewing gum, they're more likely to have hiccups within the next two hours. You know, Again, I just made that up. But, but if that claim has been made, because, oh, look, we did the study and here's what we found, then I should be able to conduct that same study with a new group of people under the same conditions and get the same result, or at least close to it. But psychology research uh, in general has had a massive, massive problem with what's called replicability or, or replication. In other words, there's all these studies that when people try to replicate them, they don't work. They can't replicate them. Uh, it, it's estimated that about half of all psychology studies fail and, and or would fail replication based on some uh, some sampling of, of tests that have uh, been tried to be replicated. All right, why am I saying all of this? The Milgram experiment, which is a psychology research study, has been replicated again and again and again and again. They've used people from different cultures, ages, religions, uh, you know, economic background, like everything, gender. And, and this experiment has been replicated a number of times. It is rock solid. And as you were pointing out, Brittany, I think it's, it hovers around 60% across all the studies. Nearly two-thirds of individuals are willing to potentially kill another person you know, administer a, a fatal dose of electricity uh, to, to someone in the other room who they don't know just because someone in a lab coat who looks official told them to. Like, that's astounding. It's, a, it's totally astounding. And so let's, let's rewind back to earlier in the conversation. Milgram was doing this because he saw the Nazis claim that they were just following orders. And he was curious how far are, are people in general willing to go? Is there something special about Nazis or Germans 
right, that produce a more obedient people to authority. If we analyze this in America or in Chile or in Sudan, you know, or France or wherever, would it be different? And as it turns out, the answer is no. We like to think, as you pointed out, Brittany, oh, we would never let that happen. We would never stand for that. But under the right conditions and with the right pressure from authority figures, it appears that the majority of individuals would go along with what they were told to do, even if that potentially means killing somebody else. It's, it's horrifying to think that human nature is such that we're susceptible to that. In other words, we might be influenced that way. So what do we learn from that? I think we learn from that that we have to have strong critical thinking skills. Like when when we are told to do something by someone in authority, our alarm bells should go off if it seems wrong. That that we should decide now. I remember when I was young, my my parents would always say, you know, you need to decide now that you're never going to use drugs. Because if you're at a party in college or whatever, 10 years from now, and someone offers you something, if you have to make a decision in the moment with all the pressures that you're facing, peer pressure, whatever, right, then then that's going to be a much harder decision to make and you might not make the right decision. So you need to decide now. That way, when you have a situation in the future, right, where someone offers you something like that, it's an easier way. Oh, no, I, that's not something I do, Right. And it's easier to deal with. I think it's the same thing uh, with with these types of issues. I'm going to decide now to always do what's right, even if someone in authority tells me to do something I think is wrong. I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be in the 60% of Milgram's experiment. I'm going to be in the 40%, right? (laughs) I'm going to question authority. I'm going to be a critical thinker. I'm going to be independent-minded and try to listen to my conscience when things feel wrong, even if someone in authority is telling me. I think that's something we decide now, even you kids listening, so that as you get older and authority figures are telling you teachers, you know, or or uh, bosses at work or the government or, you know, whatever. If anyone's telling you something that you think is wrong, you need to have the conviction to say, wait a minute, I need to determine for myself if this is right or not and not just do it because somebody else told you to. I think that's the lesson I take away from all the Nuremberg trials, uh, from Milgram's experiment, is that we are, we are prone to do what authority figures tell us to. And if we instead want to focus on doing what's right, let's decide that now, and let's make sure that when the opportunity presents itself, we stand for what's right and stand with our conscience and not just with what authority figures are telling us to do. We'll wrap it there, Brittany. Great discussion. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.